You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Renee Sproles. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And today we are talking about pacifiers, binkies, ninnies, dummies, soothers. <laughs> Whatever you call it. You know what it is. It's a lifeline for exhausted parents trying to calm a fussy baby. Now, there's a lot of stuff out there about pacifiers. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And we're here to break it down for you, moms. That's right. Break it down. <laughs> so where did they come from? Well, probably ever since Cain and Abel, we've been trying to soothe our babies. There's this painting by Albrecht Dürer done in the 1500s called Madonna with the Siskin. And it shows Mary holding a baby Jesus while he sucks on a dampened rag. So if Jesus can do it, it's probably cool. <laughs> right, right. People used to soak cloths in all sorts of things to help with teething. Brandy, sugar, oh, sugar water, mm -hmm. uh, wine. They could be made into pouches and filled with poppy seeds to soothe the gums like an opiate. I know. Listen, I would have been here for it during those teething years. I would have done anything. Oh, my goodness. So about 1901, right around the turn of the century, Christian Meineke patented what we think of as today's pacifier. And it went through a couple of iterations. But not much has changed since the 1950s. It's pretty much that rubber or silicone nub attached to a plastic circle or ring. Yeah. And... You know, this sucking reflex in babies starts early. It starts in utero. And we see babies sucking on their toes or their fingers. And babies can even be born tattooed with what's called sucking blisters, where they've sucked on themselves so much. There's little hickeys. Ah, uh, really? <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's amazing. And this cool fact I found, Bonnie, is that pacifiers somewhat mysteriously reduce the risk of SIDS. Yep, I've heard that. The Academy of Pediatrics uh, recommends pacifier use at night and during naps to prevent SIDS. Yeah. I yeah. suppose it opens up your airway if you think about how you, how that what that sucking does. It yeah. opens up your throat a little bit. Hmm. So yeah, pacifiers provide comfort, promote physiological tranquility, and they help in growth development. So they say the so American Academy say. of Pediatrics. Mm -hmm. So Bonnie, yeah, babies suck. Babies do suck. <laughs> We know newborns are born with that strong sucking reflex and instinct. As newborns, babies cannot soothe themselves. Their limbs lack muscle control and they flail and startle. And that's why we swaddle them because right. they're, they're just going to move their arms all around and get all upset. Keeps them all tucked in and cozy like they were in the womb. And when you place a newborn directly on mom's chest immediately after birth, I've seen some really neat videos about this. They'll start that breast crawl immediately, even though they can barely move. They can't lift their head. They can't do basically anything, but they can hunt and scooch around looking for that food source. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's, I also say that every man knows that move. Remember when we interviewed <laughs> <Yeah>. the doula? <laughs> All you men, you know the breast crawl as well. That instinct never goes away. <laughs> instinct never goes away. But actually, but seriously, a lot of pediatricians actually do recommend intermittent pacifier use to help newborns up to four months old soothe themselves. But four months, Bonnie, 
Yeah. How about four years? Well, in our culture, we see it up to four years. We yeah. see it in toddlers a lot. But um, yeah, really four months is when they stop that newborn stage and they can start to learn some self-soothing techniques wow. that aren't dependent on a an object. So if you're nursing, a lot of breastfeeding moms choose not to use a pacifier in the beginning because there's a school of thought that it can cause confusion as the baby learns how to latch on, suckle, and feed correctly they've got to learn that suck swallow breathe pattern the world health organization found that using a pacifier while breastfeeding didn't really have any effect on the duration of nursing or weaning up to four months old so what i'm taking that to mean is that you shouldn't worry that your baby's going to quit nursing if you're using a pacifier now and then right so it may not make your baby stop nursing but using a pacifier can interfere with feeding cues. So if they're hungry and you give them a pacifier, they might then think, oh, I've had a meal. And then they're going to be fussy in 15 minutes again. Right. Because they missed that. Because they missed their feeding. Okay. So it, it depends. I mean, listen, we're all so very different. But I know for me, I needed to feed on a schedule because I didn't feel like I had the instincts. Okay. Like I felt like there were women out there that had these instincts that just knew what their baby needed. Right. And now I, I know like schedule too, cause I wasn't sure if they were getting enough. Exactly. But there are different types of cries mm-hmm. that, um, that babies have for different things that they need. And some moms do instinctively know those better. They catch on to them better. Okay. But, but that is, I think what people are, when people are nursing and they're thinking, Oh, I don't want to use a pacifier. Well, nipple confusion yeah. Like, like you mentioned, and the feeding cues are the things that you want to just be aware of. Okay. Um, so before, yeah, while you're figuring out, this is your first time, baby, while you're figuring out how the whole nursing thing works, which is a learning curve, takes mm-hmm. a while, takes a minute. For something so natural, air quotes, yeah, doesn't feel so natural. It takes a minute. <laughs> uh, well, you're figuring all that out and your baby's figuring all that out and sometimes things interfere like tongue-tiedness or whatever that makes that procedure even longer. Um, Yeah, then sometimes you might want to leave off the passy just so you can get that down pat. And then you've learned the feeding cues. You've learned how that works. The baby's learned how it works, and you can use it for soothing. Yeah. So is it bad for their development to use a pacifier, Bonnie? Uh, Well, some people would say yes. Uh, With the pacifier, a baby is using different muscles in their face, cranium, and mouth. Um, Just try it for a second. (laughs) Oh, right. Sucking doesn't just involve your tongue. Breastfeeding activates lots of muscles in the face, head, and tongue. And if you're nursing and you're looking down at that infant, you can see even their foreheads are moving up and down while they're nursing and, and drinking milk. And all of those muscles being used together helps them grow and develop correctly. But when you use a pacifier, it's a different motion. It uses um, a hyperfunction of what they call the buccinator muscle, and that's the one in the cheek that helps with chewing. It holds the cheek to the teeth. It's a big old muscle. Pacifier does not require as much muscle to continue sucking on it. So that one muscle tends to get really strong and tight, and it can limit the growth of the chin. Ah, so you're just overdeveloping one muscle, one area. which causing underdevelopment of another. Right. And that's like we're talking, okay, you know, the kid who's going to use it, all day and all night Mm -hmm. and there are some that have like that sucking reflex for a long time they do they do also we found that the resting position of our tongue is supposed to be lightly lying on the hard palate or roof of our mouths so with constant pacifier use like you were just saying during Mm -hmm. sleep and all day long the tongue is not in a natural resting position it's forced down really low 
because that pacifier is stuck there on top of it. Uh-huh. That can affect the growth and development of the roof of the mouth. Right. So when your baby's mouth is closing when they sleep, then their tongue goes back where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So that muscle or tendon or little flap under ah, there is being it's stretching. Stretched. Okay. Got like it. Supposed got to it. Be. All right. And then one other thing to consider in terms of development is that um, pacifiers can cause speech delay, which this seems the most obvious to me because it's stuck in their mouth and they're trying to talk. Yes, I see, it all, I see it all the time where moms are trying to communicate with their kid and they're trying to talk around the pacifier that's mm-hmm. in their mouth and mom mm-hmm. will just reach over and like, you know, pop it right out of there. What are you trying to say to me? Use your words. Um, so yeah, the, if you're not being able to use your mouth and your lips and your tongue the way you're supposed to, then you're not forming words. You may not even of be course. trying to. Of course. Right. That makes total sense. All right. And let's talk real quick about preemies or babies who are unable to, to nurse, um, NICU babies. They're often given a pacifier because there's no other way for them to work those muscles and get the process of suck, swallow, breathe right. Yeah. They're not, they're not nursing in the regular way. Something's right. preventing them. So they need to have that. It's recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics for those babies for sure. Okay. So... We've talked about all those things. Now your baby's four months old. And what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. You ready yes. like Sapassi? I know what I did, Bonnie. <laughs> so once that <laughs> stage is over, they can learn other ways to soothe. And the pacifier at that point is definitely becoming a sleep prop. And all the pediatricians that I know... Um, and consistent data from babies to adults show, and we've said this in our podcast before, that we as a culture are chronically sleep deprived, right? Children and babies included. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One way to um, teach babies the skill of self-soothing and healthy sleep hygiene is to drop that pacifier cold turkey around four months old. If you hadn't by then, if which you, most right. moms I know haven't by then. I didn't. I didn't even come close. Mine were... Mine did it on their own. They didn't even like it. But yeah. Yeah. And help your child learn how to fall asleep on their own. Listen, that sounds like impossible. That, I know that strikes fear in the hearts of many. Yeah, because you're, <laughs> I mean, if they're not sleeping and then they finally are sleeping, do you want to take away the thing that's helping them sleep? Like, right. no. I mean, no, some, sometimes I did for the love, no, you do not. No. You just want to keep on. You just want to keep on doing it. But short-term pain. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to beat that drum because my kids had to pass each other like two years old. So, but you know, I love to look at like, what are other people around the world doing? Uh So I looked at some cultural trends. So we know, just look around, look around Target, look around Walmart, that here in the U.S. it's common to see kids all the way up to older toddlers Mm -hmm. still using pacifiers, way past that early need or instinct for sucking. And so we've obviously taught them to need or want that that thing that little thing Uh that little comfort so more than 75 percent of babies in the west do use a pacifier but parents in some cultures like this tribe in western congo are totally fine with being used as a human pacifier now this is some wild stuff bonnie okay because i was thinking oh yeah okay so they just let the baby latch on to the mom's breast right Right. when they're they're wanting to suck a lot of them are being carried right right but no 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 any body, the father, another family member, they just offer them their nipple. Okay. <laughs> Uncle on. Tom, there you go. <laughs> Can you imagine? No. <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> oh. So it's just, 
That's so interesting to me. It's actually quite practical. Well, could you not just use a finger? I mean, I guess. A, baby, a little finger or something? I guess, but it's like, you've got one there too. Let's I, just, you've it got would it. It seems like it would be unsatisfying if they're, I guess if it's just for, not for nutrition. For, yeah. If it's not, if you're not hungry and you're you just, just wanting want to, to suck. So anyway, fun fact. There's your fun fact for the day, moms. But okay, moving on seriously, just like everything, a little awareness helps when you're thinking about pacifiers. So how often are you actually using the pacifier, offering it to your child? Right. Is it just like when they're going down for a nap or is it all day, every day, every time they whine? Like it, like, so just like with your phone, which is another object. Interesting how the progression happens, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Um, is it just a knee jerk ingrained reflex? When you hear that fuss or whine or cry, you go digging in your bag for the pacifier. I 100% did that. So yeah. that is exactly what I did. Instead of figuring out, okay, what's really going on here? Are you tired? Are you hungry? Yes. Do you need comfort? Do you need distracting and going to do, you know, read a book or something? I think because I didn't trust myself to be able to figure it out. Yeah, I think that's real common. Real and so common. I just was like, no, I got to stop the crying. A good mom stops the crying. Stop the crying. Also, we're busy or yeah. you're out yeah. somewhere and you, yeah. you're courteous to other people. Mm-hmm. There is that. Mm-hmm. When we talked about that in our food episode, we do it with food as well. Mm-hmm. They're fussing. We hand them a snack. Hand them a snack. Hand them a snack. Right. Um. So and other cultures don't do that. No, not necessarily. No. Anyway, they're like, okay, food is for this. Remember what the French say: <laughs> snacking causes obesity. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Warning labels on their bags of snacks. <laughs> Those French people—they're just. What are you gonna do with them? I know. Well, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so interesting. So the the irony is that we you we're using a pacifier, like you said, when you get that sleep down, they're starting to sleep through the night, and heaven forbid you take that away because you've been praying for that since day one yes but what really happens is the use of a pacifier can cause broken sleep which is not what you think but it's going to chronically mean not being well rested and that means more fussiness the following day and then you're going to give a pacifier when they're fussy the next day and creates this big cycle because they're waking up when their um, natural sleep cycles occur you know they go through this deep sleep and then a lighter sleep and then they might rouse a little bit and then they go back to sleep. Well, if they're trained, I got to find a pacifier to go back to sleep mm. with. They're waking up looking for that thing that right. helps them go back to sleep. And I know parents will often scatter like six or seven of them in the crib. So it doesn't matter which way you turn. You can find a passy in there. Really? You can do it real quick and go back to sleep. Well, there's one thing I didn't do. I'm feeling <laughs> like a hero now. <laughs> that's, no, I think that's pretty common. <laughs> um, but or alternatively, if you've just got the one, well, you're going to re- you wake up, rush down the hall, mm-hmm. put it back in before they wake all the way up. Um, mm-hmm. so they don't, they don't wake up all the way. Well, that's still broken sleep for them. And now you. Right. All right. So you've convinced me. Let's talk about getting rid of it yeah. for toddlers, 12 months and up. You can talk to them and they're starting to understand your yeah. words. You just tell them we're not going to do that right now. We're getting rid of it. Or we're going to, you know, you're a big girl. You don't need that anymore. Right. But if you, if you do it really early, like those beast moms out there who are doing it at four months old, they say you can just chuck it. I mean, after a week of consistent sleep hygiene, they don't care anymore. Yeah, they didn't know anyway. Right. They're, they're so little. It. You just chuck it out. But if they're, yeah, 12 months and up, you're helping them. Well, that's what we did, I think. Um, my, my kids just didn't take it for very long. Yeah. They just, eh, it wasn't their thing. Um, we just walk it to the trash and throw it out. Oh, mm-hmm. we don't want that. We don't want that anymore. You're a big girl. You don't need it. 
you can do it. And then you offer them something else instead. Like how about a stuffed bunny or something to sleep with instead? And if they're using the Wubbanub, which is like the little stuffed animal that has the passy attached to its paw, then you can just cut off the passy part. And yeah, keep, the, keep little, the little animal. Keep mm-hmm. the little animal. And then so if you have one of a, those kinds of kids that need to hear from an expert in their field. There are some. Absolutely. Refer to our green episode. <laughs> there are. I can tell my green child something and, he, and then your husband can tell him the same thing and he will accept it because he's got sciencey facts <laughs> that means something <laughs> yes well it depends like if uh I don't know kids the kids are not ref- not going to give up their pacifier and nothing you've done makes a difference and all of a sudden a teacher at school says something at preschool or you take them to the next doctor's appointment and the doctor just might even just casually mention oh we do you're too big for a pacifier we don't need a pacifier anymore and then that night they're like, you know what? I'm too big for a pacifier. I don't need it. Some kids just respond to authority. So use that to your advantage if that's one of yours. Yeah, absolutely. Tell okay. Your childhood stories, they're wild, Bonnie. They're wild. How did your brother get rid of his pacifier? <laughs> we were at he was born in seventy one, which I think is the year Disney World opened. Uh, when we lived down in Florida. So by 73, well, I think that was the first time we went. And I remember my dad carrying my little brother around on his shoulders with his passy stuck in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And we're just walking around in the crowd of people and Goofy comes up, you know, <laughs> stuffed Disney character comes up, waves hi to my little brother, pops his passy out of his mouth and walks off into the crowd. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. My mom and dad were like, oh, no. Like, oh, what has happened? yeah. But you're not going to go tackle Goofy. I mean, the <laughs> you get thrown out of Disney World. So that was it. I no, thought no it might passing. have been a collaboration. Like, your parents told Goofy to do it. Oh, uh, no. He just took it upon himself to come and steal the little kids. Wow. Yeah. Not the happiest place on earth. Let me just no. tell you. <laughs> so, but it was like, my brother was kind of like, oh, okay, well, now Goofy has, Goofy has my passy and... <laughs> We're done with this. We're done with it. Wow. That's wild. <laughs> Somebody'd get sued over that today. Some crazy parent would be like, You traumatized my child. They you took their passy. Uh, free pacifiers oh for life. My from goodness. Disney. That's right. Well, a lot of pediatricians are going to tell you that fingers and thumbs are better than a pacifier. They'd much rather have a kid suck their thumb for a minute before going to sleep than have one addicted to a passy all day and all night. And when they wake up in the night, you don't have those six or seven pacifiers in the crib. They're not looking for a thing. Yeah. They you always be, have your hands with they've you. They've got it. Yep, yeah. They've got it. Got it with them. But to me, that, I always thought, how do you get rid of a finger? You you can't. We could, we, you know, clipped the ends of the passy and they, they didn't have that great suction feel anymore yes. in their mouths and it wasn't very satisfying and that's how we ended it. But I'm thinking, you know, if you always have your fingers with you. You can always, yep. you, they can pop them in and be a lot harder. That's right. Well, you can't make a kid suck his thumb or fingers or not. And you really can't make a kid suck a passy or not. They're going to just decide. Um, some are, you know, some are going to go with those first two fingers, a mm-hmm. uh, pointer and the middle finger. And some are going to go with the middle two. And then there's the thumb. Um, the difference is that a passy is, for some reason, it's an object that they get addicted to more and kids will just more naturally drop that thumb. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. peer pressure or I don't know. They're too busy. 
to stick it in there. Yeah. Because they're yeah. using their yeah, hands. Yeah, because they need their hands to do something else. Ooh, that's a good point. But you've I got considered. a passy in your mouth and you can be doing everything else mm-hmm. with your hands. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. So most kids will transition out of sucking thumbs or fingers naturally as they get bigger and busier. Um, but if not, yeah, you might face palate issues or orthodontic issues down the road if they have a hard time dropping that mm-hmm. thumb. So dentists can give you appliances, tools to help stop the habit if it becomes entrenched. Um, if an older child persists in thumb sucking, it's time to look at other things. That's usually a sign of coping with high stress or anxiety, and they may need a little help with that counseling or some emotional vocabulary or coping skills besides the finger sucking. That's right. Um, yeah, we were just talking to somebody the other day when we said, hey, we're going to do this podcast episode, and and uh, she was saying, yeah, you know, I was the thumb sucker until, embarrassingly, third grade. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to her later about it. And she said they went through all kinds of that. Those appliances and like thumb contraptions and things to try and block her from it. Um, and I had read this later and I said, you know, it's really interesting that when I was after your story, I was researching it. And it's a sign that you might have had stress or trauma in your life. <laughs> Which was exactly, she was like, well, yeah. Yeah. That was exactly my problem. I never even associated the two things, but that's probably exactly why I was doing that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So so take an assessment. If, if your child is having an addiction to the passy or the thumb sucking and they are just a little bit older, mm-hmm. uh, take an inventory of what's going on in their life. Think of it from their perspective. Yeah. Um, what do they want? They want for you and your husband to be okay. What's making them insecure? What's making them insecure? Mm -hmm. It could be inadvertent on your part, or you might know exactly what it is, and it's a big deal. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's very much worth addressing. Um, So, all right, true confessions time. What did you do, Bonnie? Okay. I mean, we've alluded to it. Yeah, well, I nursed both my children because of the health benefits it provided. Um, That's how I fed them. I couldn't pump a flip and drop. <laughs> so it never did work. So I didn't nurse them every time they fussed or needed comfort. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. Um, mm-hmm. We held them or rocked them or walked around with them or patted them and soothed them. But like it, it was not, you know, I was not the quick milk snack truck that was coming along. <laughs> it was meal times and that was it. So um, they pretty quickly ate and slept on a good schedule. And that let me know that they were getting full meals and gave me some freedom. And once they passed that newborn stage where they didn't want swaddling, we did try to give a pacifier because they were kind of fussy mm-hmm. at first. Um, and they might have used it maybe for a couple months, but then they just refused it. And I, my daughter sucked her thumb for a couple weeks after that, uh, maybe up to about five months. And then she just quit that on her own too. Both of mine wanted lovies instead. Mm-hmm. They had objects. Mm-hmm. One had a little pillow that was special and one had a blanket. And I'm- that was the... I feel like you got lucky the thing. with that. I hate when people say that to me. Sorry about that. <sighs> maybe. I mean, maybe it just was your technique was so good that you, you just were, were like, okay, breasts are for nursing and we're going we're, we're gonna to be here for you, hold you, rock you, soothe you, but we're not going to constantly. I was a big proponent on you need to learn how to go to sleep. Yeah. Because we all need yeah. to sleep. Right. <laughs> I think that's good for you. Right. So whatever that took. Um yeah, and there, it, it was this their decision, really. They didn't ha- they didn't take it. I probably would have gone ahead with yeah. it if they'd have taken yeah. it. So that just shows like some babies really, really love to suck. So that that was my first child. So I also nursed both the kids, okay. and I'm pretty sure I never nursed them for comfort, not one time. Okay. Again, because I was just didn't I didn't want to have to be 
whipping out my boob every yeah. time we were somewhere and they were upset. So instead, I did use a pacifier. I would rock them, walk them. And uh, we stopped using them during the day, not until they were toddling around. So we used them. We had to use them for a year until they were yeah, like walking. easily walking. Uh-huh. And then I was like, okay, you're not going to be walking around the house with a pacifier in your mouth. And I relegated it to nap time and bedtime. And I was really reluctant to give it up for nap time and bedtime because they had been sleeping. Emma had been sleeping really well from very early on. Mm-hmm. Houston had been sleeping well from six months on. And I did not want to mess that up. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get some good rest and you're like, <laughs> even one night of that business. I was like, I don't want to do it. So they had what I now realize pediatricians call a sleep association with the pacifier. It's what they were expecting. Okay. And so it was a habit that had to be broken. So they were between two and three years old when I decided to cut a hole, like I said earlier, in the nipple. And that was it. Naps were a little bit unsettled or short uh, for a few days. And then they learned to adjust pretty quickly. It wasn't a big, long trauma. So, so they just get, they didn't like it anymore after yeah, the whole. Yeah, they okay. didn't like it. I, I just think I was parenting out of fear of sleep deprivation or yeah, fear of I sleep totally regression. Did. And we just don't ever make our best decisions when we're making choices out of fear. So I would just encourage you to not do that. <laughs> don't, you know, we've lived life, made mistakes, learned some lessons. I would say that was probably a mistake, not a catastrophic mistake, but I just think it probably wasn't best practices to, to, let them go on and on and on with that pacifier so okay so maybe mine didn't continue with the oral having to have something oral like that but they kept those objects those loveys what i call them Mm -hmm. for a long time like four five years old and probably they would have kept them i don't know forever and ever mm-hmm. if I'd have let them but at some point I was like okay we're we're done like we're not dragging it around everywhere we go now we're not um <laughs> Ben's had this blanket it was beautifully crafted somewhere up in Kentucky like a handmade thing that we had a replacement object for because mm-hmm. so talk about parenting out of fear yeah because <laughs> if we lost that blanket <laughs> life would have been ended right mm-hmm. if we lost her pillow it would have been ended so um, we had replacement objects ready to go in case we left it on a plane or something and it was worn down to literally a shred I could hold in the palm of my hand. No. And then we replaced it with another one and the new one wasn't quite the same as the old. And I think, you know, it wasn't what he was used to. Or wow. Didn't smell part, it didn't right? have all the memes with it, Bonnie. I guess. And that was easier to, to get rid of and drop, but it was, a, wow. it was not a willing voluntary dropping of that object. It was a, process well I mean yeah we we transitioned to the the item in bed a blanket a stuffed animal a doll and I just let him have that like we did we it stayed in the bed it never came out it never came out of the bed and so at that point I was fine with that I didn't care if they were 15 years old sleeping with the (laughs) the blanket or the pillow or whatever I guess because it was just what they slept with you know so I think it's, it's genetic. Do you think some of that is genetic? I, I do. Watch I had a blanket when I was little that I must have had it up into grade school. It was like I can remember. I have mm. memories of it. And my sister, one of my sisters got rid of it. <gasps> she hated how it smelled. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you brat. But there you go. So oh I, think, I think that probably was given genetically to my kids because they both were. Yeah. And yeah. still, to this, if I'm anxious or worried about something, if I have a got to be a particular soft blanket if I can just grab a handful of that I can go to sleep a lot easier 
oh it's not my wow. childhood blankie but it's right. a feeling in my hand so ah, uh, yeah I think mm-hmm. it ingrains mm-hmm. that's so interesting well yeah watching Dottie Lou and seeing how much that child loves to suck I mean <laughs> she loves to suck she loved to nurse and she wanted to nurse all the time and pacifier yes like she loves the pacifier and um her mom was the same way mm. so yeah of course yeah it's got to be from somewhere it, it's got to be it's got to be passed down through, the, through our generations and if it's not hurting you I suppose right right I mean yeah I mean Emma did it is. very differently than I did she definitely you know did nursing for soothing and and then when she weaned her they didn't do it anymore you know, I mean, it, okay. when they were done, they were done. And uh-huh. it was kind of a uh, several weeks process. And uh-huh. she would claw at her shirt and stuff. And you would just tell her no and distract her. Yeah. And it, again, it, it was not the end of the world. It's just you have to decide, am I ready to make that commitment? Right. I don't want to be flip-flopping back and forth and just knowing, okay, it's gonna, this is going to take a little extra effort. Right. And it might be a week of, right. uh, like you said, uh, naps mm-hmm. aren't quite the way they used to be. Mm-hmm. and. But but they'll get there. Mm-hmm. And actually, Emma said with Dottie, her sleep improved. Interesting. Um, the doctor had said, you know, just it, when you nurse, everyone's breast milk is different. And if your breast milk is not calorie dense, they are just going to need to nurse a lot. Hmm. There's not anything you can change in your diet. There's not anything you can do. It's just how it is. Okay. And so she had done all the other tricks to get her to sleep through the night. And then finally had decided maybe I'll try weaning her by the time she was one. Three days. Three days of interrupted sleep and some fussy nights. And she's sleeping through the night. So, go. yeah. So it was definitely that for her. So, you you know, you just got to get to the point. You decide. You and your husband. Because mm-hmm. you got to have somebody cheering you on because you're going to break. <laughs> you're going to be like, I can't do it. I can't do it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you decide to do it. And then you can, you can see if that maybe that will help you have a breakthrough in some area. Yeah. 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 So in conclusion... If you're highly motivated to nurse and you want to use a passy, it's probably fine. It just might be good to wait until the nursing is established for both of you, whatever that looks like for the two of you. Mm -hmm. And if you have a premature baby or one that needs help, it's not a miracle worker for fussiness or sleeping. And as I just talked about, it can actually aggravate those cycles. Yep. It really isn't needed, technically needed after four months. And it could affect speech and you might need palate work later on. Um, but in our experience, as I said earlier, short-term pain equals long-term gain with most things involving parenting, including teaching those sleep skills, using sleep props, and teaching kids to rely on objects. Fast forwarding to adolescent phone use. Right. (laughs) Maybe there's a correlation. Maybe there isn't. I don't know. So the bottom line is we do use pacifiers for comfort. And we'll just end with a few verses that we can speak over our children. One in particular that I really like um, when you are having trouble with your child sleeping. I'll say this over Dottie Lou just when I lay her down as a little prayer. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. That's Psalm 4.8. Oh, and... May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant, Psalm 119.76. And this one is um, from Psalm 91. It's actually a song that maybe we can link to on the website. It's from Poor Bishop Hooper, and they have a series. They're making a song out of every psalm. And they're so beautiful. And Psalm 91 is one of my favorites. I listen to it almost every morning. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. 
I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And that's our real comfort. There you go. So we will have um, these resources on our website, justaskyourmom.com. And you can find us on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom and on Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. We would love for you to rate and leave a review if you're listening and better yet, subscribe so you'll get each new Monday episode. If you have questions or topic suggestions, just email them to us at justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Mom. Mom.